I, I've had a few people kind of reach out and I've always feel bad because like now we've had enough guests on the podcast. I used to be able to just be like, oh, we don't really do guests on the podcast. But now <laughs> we've like had enough where I'm like, I can't really like use that and say it's like, oh, that was a one off thing. Uh, but mm. I really kind of like make sure that it's like, you know, like Matt Glanville was the last one we had. And like we've re- I've really kind of connected with him over the last year or so, like talking about his games and Dungeon Death Ball. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm like, I don't I don't want to just have like any guest on the show. <laughs> I mean, guests are tough. Like a guest episode is more work than uh, a, a regular episode with people's audio setups that you know and yeah. like personalities that you know. Like you gotta, you gotta prepare for a guest. You don't have to prepare for like your regulars. So yeah, I, I can see I can see the apprehension around guest episodes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times, too, it's like I don't want to just like talk about your one new thing. Like we don't really do like we're not like a news focused podcast. Like I always want to make sure that our stuff is going to like you can go back and dig through the backlog. Like, yeah, we might talk about a game that's new at the time, but it's a game is always going to be fun no matter when you play it. So, yeah, being topical is fun because there's like an energy behind like talking about what's new. But uh, the way I know the, the way a lot of people have told me they experience podcasts is rarely like the day they come out, like a, a right. small vocal portion of your fan base is going to watch your podcast or listen to your podcast. The day it comes out, most people are going to like binge a couple episodes when they have like a really long task or something like that. So, yep, that's what I do. I, le- I kind of let them pile up. Then like, mm-hmm. j- like I catch up, then jump to like one that I kind of let pile up a little bit. And I just kind of jump around and like, yeah, wait till there's like four or five that I can get in the zone with kind of totally nice. Okay, so oh, and is there any particular way that you want to be introduced? Obviously, not as a uh, a podcast editor uh, exclusively. <laughs> um, like, is like, do you like want to be like ga- game designer Kevin Cole or yeah. anything like that? Or yeah, ga- game designer, uh, game developer works for me. Um, okay. uh, that yeah, <laughs> whatever, uh, yeah. whatever you, way you want to do it. I do too many things, so yeah. So, Jack of uh, all trades, yeah. Whatever way you want to compress it, you're probably yeah. going to be right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pursuing Pixels. My name's Kevin Portelli, and I'm here tonight with our pal uh, Kevin Cole. We got a little Kevin Squared episode here, and uh, if you're uh, unfamiliar with Kevin Cole, uh, he's a uh, game designer from Super Try. We've talked about quite a few of uh, his games on the podcast in the past and definitely covered them on the YouTube. How you doing tonight, Kevin, or I guess this afternoon? <laughs> hey, Kevin, I'm doing good. Thanks for thanks for meeting me uh, during, I guess, what would be a normal person's lunchtime. Hey, this is this is normal person's lunchtime for me as well, so this works <laughs> perfect i've been uh kind of on the job hunt recently getting back in the swing of things so this kind of worked out perfect like got me out of bed a little yeah. earlier just kind of got my day started sipping on some coffee at the moment Heck and yeah. uh yeah ready to chat some video games i know uh I've, I've been kind of i mentioned this to you a little bit while we were uh rolling beforehand but like i've been kind of nervous about having you on the podcast because you have quite a bit of podcast experience yourself not only like i'm always a little bit like timid or like nervous or shy or whatever when there's somebody who's like games I already really admire but I'm like oh and this guy also knows how like audio works and whatever so I'm always like I was a little bit reluctant but I was like it's it's time we need to have Kevin on the show I I don't know why you're nervous you've got like more meow meow beans than I do at this point your Twitter (laughs) uh just totally blew up uh with as the result of your incredibly hard work, like uh, well, and so. as the result of a lot of other game developers hard work, because a lot of people are like, oh, that tweet's blown up or whatever. And I'm like, well, it, it helps when the game just already looks really cool. <laughs> and like I do it half the do more than half the heavy lifting for me. And your games are certainly no exception. Um, yeah. Again, like we've talked about hack was one of. Uh, the games that we've talked about a few times on the podcast, because I know I uh, DJ hasn't been on the show in quite some time. But we I actually the last time I think he was on, um, I talked him into checking that one out with me because I was he really likes those games that are like really tough. Like him, him and I and our buddy Glenn got really into playing like Enter the Gungeon when mm-hmm. around, I, I don't even think it was when it came out, but we just both kind of got or all three of us got into it around the same time. And kind of like, you know, have you beaten it with this character yet? And just got really kind of sucked into that. Like, like, like it was almost like we were. Like, it kind of reminded me of, like, going to school on the playground and, like, sharing your updates of, like, the secrets that you found in the Mario games or whatever. It was especially with Enter the Gungeon having so much, like, 
experimental stuff where you're like you don't know what it does until you actually use it or whatever it's like oh have you seen this like secret exit you can take on the second floor or whatever so it really got me just kind of like in that mindset and then hack i yeah i was able to talk dj into like and of course he beat it in like two nights i'm like gee i still haven't beaten that game <laughs> yeah it's very uh, difficult <laughs> it, it, it it super warms my heart that anyone is playing hack because it's uh, four years old at this point, which is absolutely ancient by indie game standards. Like, yeah, that blows my mind that it's been out for that long. But also, yeah, that at the same time, it's like it's only been that long. But I, not that I've been playing it since it came out. I actually, again, I was mentioning this off the top, but I really kind of first started getting into indie PC gaming and like stuff that wasn't available on console through the Itch.io bundle for racial justice and equality back in 2020 now. So even that was already two years ago at this point. Um but it, that was when I first started digging into stuff like Hack, and it was just, I don't know, it's... it's well, the Itch uh, charity bundles are just awesome. Uh, they, yeah. Like, I, I've supported, I've participated in two of them, and I've supported a bunch of them, and it always just gives you access to stuff you wouldn't even find, like, normally. I, I don't know, I... I do love the I do love those bundles a lot because they've led me to some really incredible game developers. Yeah. And and yeah, when you find one game sometimes and like that might lead to a, like in your case, for example, like once I found hack and you happen to be in the middle of doing like a, a game every month kind of situation yeah. um, for over the course of the year. So it was like, oh, there's like a tre- there's like a, over a dozen games for me to play right here, ready to go and mm-hmm. more on their way. So it's like. Again, that like excitement, at least for me, kind of just like all of a sudden it was like my eyes just kind of open. Like I'd been kind of feeling like on Switch and I've said this on the podcast, too. Like I feel like on Nintendo Switch, they've kind of been porting not every big indie game, but I feel like a lot of the indie games that I missed out on that were only on PC or Steam or whatever over the last decade or so, for the most part, have kind of made their way over to Switch. But then once I got this Ichio bundle, it was like, oh, wait a minute. There are way more games out there than I realized. And it's kind of a whole new world because I think there's there's a little bit more of a focus like, you know, on on console indie releases, there's always like that. I shouldn't say always that layer of polish, but at least the stuff that I tend to look for, there's like kind of that extra sheen of like a a package of a fully released game. But I kind of feel like a lot of these smaller games like uh, Hack has that feeling of having like a full package release. But then some of your smaller games feel more like. They're more mechanically driven. It's more just like this mechanic is really fun and I just want to get it out there for people to experience in some way, shape or form. And a lot of times those are born out of like game jams. And I know what you were doing wasn't a game jam per se, but you were kind of like, you know, experimenting kind of on a time crunch of like, I got to get this out and put, you know, putting yourself at setting a personal challenge, I guess. Yeah, some of them were game jams. Um, oh, and cool. I, I found that usually those were like the most efficient way to like put a put the pressure on myself required to get a game out a month as if, well, I have to do all the development in one weekend. So like, I guess it only takes up one weekend of my month. So why not? Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I, I do love making short form games quite a bit and I love playing short form games. Uh, I, I know, I know like typically uh, people look for like the hour count for a game a, yeah. a lot of the time. Um, but I, I kind of find myself uh, gravitating towards these little uh, short experiences. But the, the trick is always how do I support the person who makes the game afterward? Because a lot of the really good short experience games you don't have to buy. <laughs> right. Or, it's a, a lot of times you don't even have to download them. You know, you can yeah. play them right in the browser. And like, at least if the download can sort of like trigger in your mind, like, oh, I should donate or leave a little tip af- as I download. But if you're just playing it in the browser, it's like it might it just might not even pop in your head if you're just jumping around and playing a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I've been like the recipient of a six dollar donation when I really needed a beer. So like I know <laughs> <laughs> I know how good that feels. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, I guess while we're talking about kind of these shorter, more concise games, like I know we were wanting to talk about some of Leckhead, and I talked about it on yeah. a recent episode of uh, the Save It for the Cast version of the podcast or whatever, but I was really, as soon as I mentioned it, you kind of lit up, no yeah. pun intended, and it was like, okay, I really want to bounce some ideas off, because I really, I ended up playing it on a stream, uh, and pretty much getting through the whole game, I got to like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil anything per se, like we can get into some some spoiler-ish stuff, but well, we don't have to give away any like secrets, but I got sort of like to what seemed kind of like an ending but it was kind Mm -hmm. of 
hinting to me that I needed to do some backtracking maybe and like Mm -hmm. work my way through to another area that I had been before uh, without giving away too much. But like I got up to that point on the stream and then went back like the next day and kind of polished off, figured out what I needed to do because I did get kind of stuck. But I, I really was just blown away. And I think this game actually started out as a game jam entry, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say it was for like a game maker toolkit uh, game jam or some, some game jam at least. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I watched a few interviews with the dev um, and uh, apparently he was coming up with ideas for a game jam while I was in college uh, studying game design. It's a, uh, he's a Japanese dev. Uh, yeah. His name, his name isn't coming right now. Um, but uh, he, he was like kicking around game dev or uh, he was kicking around game ideas for this game jam. And um, he made this game where like, you could cut your own head off and your head would go flying and blood would go everywhere. And, uh, his, his like professor came over and was like, that's a cool idea for a game. Maybe, maybe cut, maybe lose the blood. Maybe make it a little less gory. Like yeah. you're, you're, be, you're being a little too, um, you're, you're being a little too, um, I guess like edgy on purpose here. Yeah. It doesn't need to be so extreme. And he's like, okay, well I guess I'll make it a robot, but what do I do with a robot whose head is cut off? And that sort of naturally led to this idea of electricity and the flow of electricity. And then uh, you get a like head. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, like the, as we're talking about kind of like that hour count, like the game itself probably only took me about two hours to beat. And, and I will say, I kind of look at the hour count myself, but kind mm. of, I'm looking for something like this. <laughs> I'm looking yeah, for like a two yeah. to three, you know, five, I'm, I'm kind of like, give me a game that's two to five hours. It's mm. never going to overstay its welcome again. And I, I haven't gotten all the secrets. So if I do want to go back and like collect all the little chips that you can collect in each zone, and it does a really great job of like kind of breaking up, even though the, the map of the game is kind of all interconnected, um, it's all kind of works. It's almost like a little mini Metroidvania yeah. where like each screen or each uh, map screen is like just moves over like one each each screen is almost like a level, if you will. It, it's like a Metroidvania, but like there's only one power up and that blows my mind. Like the only thing spo- I guess spoiler, minor spoiler, like the, the only thing you get is the ability uh, to throw your head. Yeah. And that changes the game so much that, like, in the first, like, I don't know, like, 20 minutes you get this power-up, you never get another power-up uh, for the rest of the game, and you never notice that. Everything, every other mechanic is just totally environment-based. Yeah. It's not, like, personal power-up-based. You're, you're ba- yeah, you're basically using your, and basically anything you're touching, if your head's attached to your body, anything that yeah. you're touching, and then anything that that thing that you're touching is connected to uh, Mm. will be like electrified or powered up. So a lot of times, again, because the screen is scrolling or not scrolling, it's kind of shifting one like map screen or map tile at a time. Mm. Like you'll sometimes have to like, you really have to kind of like move a screen or two ahead and like kind of scout like, okay, I got to make sure those chains are like, those are going all the way down to the bottom. So I'm going to get like electrified. If I, I got to make sure I only land on like the second and the fifth and the fourth one, or I have to throw my head because your head is actually like essentially what's the battery or what's like powering everything. So you can in a lot of cases, you know, you have to throw your head and I think you can only throw it up, left, right or down. Can you yeah. throw it down um, if you're jumping? I think you can. I think you can. Uh, the The really interesting thing is the head doesn't follow like physics. It just it goes a certain amount, stops and then falls at like at like a right angle. And that makes it really easy to plan out where your head's going to go. There isn't like a mini game of like chucking your head and getting like the arc right. Like you're playing the game with the gorillas that throw bananas at each other. <laughs> like it, it, he he the dev found uh, a way to make the throw mechanic super precise and super readable uh, without becoming obsessed with some sort of like throwing mini game because it's not a game about testing your ability to calculate like arcs and tangents. And yeah. Shit. No, no physics really involved here at all. This is strictly like puzzle platforming yeah. with, with a little bit of precision platforming going on. Nothing a crazy, little. but like you, you got to finesse some jumps here and there and like really kind of time some jumps perfectly. But for the most part, it, it's more problem solving and then executing that once you see what you have to do. And it, I think for the most part, it, it you know, it, again, I never other than f- getting kind of stuck where I was like, where where the heck am I supposed to go? Because there are some kind of like secret pathways that you have to navigate back through as mm-hmm. you're like in the later half of the game, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. But like other than that, like for the most part, I just felt like once I saw a new room, it was like, you know, there's only a handful of different things you can try. But like you said, like it's always something new. Like they're, they're even later in the game, like using the checkpoints as a way because like the checkpoint yeah. will reset the level or the room that you're in. So like things that you might electrify and shift around in the room once mm. you're once you touch a checkpoint, those all reset. But you might need to like throw your head and hit the checkpoint with your head and then wrap through like a little tunnel maze and pick up your head again after things have shift back to where they were before. Like it's really, it's just so cleverly thought out. Like every screen of the game is just, there's like, you, you couldn't pack any more clever level design into this game. I mean, it, yeah. it, like if it would have had any more to it, although I, I, I will say, I feel like there is more to it that I haven't seen. Like I said, I didn't get all the collectibles and there was, did, yeah, were the, you able to collect them all? Yeah, I, I got the uh, the alternate secret ending by collecting all the things. And uh, some of those puzzles on the back end are pretty tough. Like they're 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 a little more frictive than the the main the main line quests. And I can see why you sort of assigned them as like a sort of special bonus thing. I think it is worth going through because the mechanics in the game are so good and you do want to see them uh, like you do want to see them push to their absolute limit. Uh, but I wouldn't fault anyone for just playing through and being like, that was really tough towards the end. And I'm satisfied that I, that I finished it. If that's how you feel, just do the main story. But the back, the, the, the back lot of like super tough puzzles is pretty challenging. If you, if you like that sort of thing, I'm a big fan of that. And I'm a big fan of that approach as well of like the Mm. kind of like have that be the difficulty have like an optional yeah. challenge or you know have, have there be like the bonus levels for the people that are looking to you know or or even if it was just the collectibles being really hard to get or find mm. or whatever like you know you don't have to get all that stuff you can beat the game and move on with your life but i i really like with platformers they're one of the few genres i will go back and replay a game and mm. especially if it's in that two to five hour range so like leaving myself that extra incentive of like okay i'm not gonna like tear my hair out trying to find everything on this first playthrough i'm gonna you know, leave that for the next time I play it. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing some of those tougher levels if I can unlock them. <laughs> yeah. yeah g- going back slightly to your point about how, like, even the checkpoints have multiple uses. One of the things I absolutely adore about this game is it takes this game design principle uh, that Shigeru Miyamoto is credited with, with saying um, a, a great idea solves uh, more than one problem at once. Something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. If, a, a, a truly great game mechanic has multiple uh, ways to interact. Like it has multiple solutions, multiple um, verbs. Like the the checkpoints in Elekhead, yes, they save your progress, but they also reset everything. And you can, in that way, they can also be obstacles if one of the puzzles is to uh, move something and then avoid checkpoints so it doesn't reset by the time you get to it. That's right. Yeah, I was I mentioned before, yeah, like having to use them to reset things. But yeah, sometimes you have to make sure you don't touch them to like, yeah, they're almost like they become like spikes, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's so cool. And yeah, it, it it just seeing like even all the little surprises of like when when you do feel like you're stuck, like, you know, you you're just like, OK, maybe you, there's not that much like the map is so packedly t- or uh, so tightly packed in that there is. It's not like you feel like you're roaming around aimlessly forever. Like you do kind of mm-hmm. feel like, OK, well, I don't know where to go, so I can touch, like, these four things in this room, and, like, maybe it'll power something up, and all of a sudden, like, you hang around on this wall long enough, and an elevator starts dropping from the top of the screen that you didn't see before, or, you know, but again, like, they do a good job of, like, you were able to see that elevator if you explored up, you know, climbed up the shaft earlier, where there's, like, maybe Mm -hmm. a blocked-off path, but now you know what to try or where to go, and Again, back to like that head tossing. I, I don't know if we mentioned like there's actually like a little cursor on the screen that shows like right where it's going to land or right yeah. how far you're going to toss it. So it's like, yeah, it takes all the guesswork out of like, uh, what am I supposed to do here? You kind of just know, OK, I need to thread the needle. I need to throw my head right in that gap. And mm-hmm. that's where it's going to land. You, you're not like you said, you're not like battling against the controls ever. Yeah, everything is super precise. And the way it limits you um, is like key to how like. It, it feels like it doesn't have to like a tutorial for a lot of it. And it feels like it, it doesn't like have a hint system baked in, but it, it does. It's just all done through gameplay. Yeah. Like um, there's no text in the game, which I find mind blowingly cool. Like yeah. 
the way because uh, there's there's kind of this um, it, it, maybe it's a joke maybe it's just a truism uh, among game devs where like yeah you could make a, a Mac port of your game and sell a few more copies of it but it's probably easier just to translate it into Spanish <laughs> you probably sell more copies that way yeah uh, and like the international crowd especially I guess if you're um, if you're making like games in Japan where like the indie scene is a little more hobbyist and there's not as much like there aren't a whole lot of solo indie devs coming out of Japan because it just isn't I guess it's just not really done over there yeah um like so the the Aleka dev saw this and was like well if this if I'm going to keep doing this then this game has to be an international hit which means I could either translate in, into English and spend a lot of time doing that or I could just remove words from it, and now it's an international thing that that, that anyone can play. It doesn't need words. The only word is the title. Well, even like yeah, I, you know, I was like half joking earlier, like or half serious, half joking, yeah. but like games are the universal language. And again, yeah. Yeah, you take out the dialogue and whatever, and there's no question. You know, you're not, I, I can't stand when I'm booting up a game and there you get that lore dump right off the bat, and you're just like, what? I don't even know if I like this game yet. How am I? I don't care about this lore until I like the game, and like. With a mm-hmm. head, you're just like right in. It takes you right back to playing Mario. You know, you just know whether they ever, whether you ever know a Goomba's good and a Mushroom's bad. You're gonna find out in the first, you know, few lives you have, and then from there on, you kind of know what to do. Yeah, and obviously, not every game can be made this way, and you're not gonna yeah. be able to explore every single idea without words. Uh, but it it is a reminder that games do have a language, and if you do want to include text and story in in your game, like consider the medium you're in and and maybe there's a way to do it without words and save the words for when they really matter i think elect seeing something done like a leckhead with like maybe more of a story underneath uh could be absolutely mind-blowingly amazing yeah because I, I i will say i was probably more immersed in something like this than i would be in something where i do have to like maybe pause and read the dialogue or read something mm. or even watch a cutscene and like Maybe, you know, because then as soon as something I read something that I'm like, wait, who is that character or wait, what, what what's going on again? Like, I don't know if yeah. I missed something like you, it plants that seed of doubt. And then I'm like thinking about other stuff where like when I was playing a Leckhead and again, I did play it on a stream. So I guess I was sort of distracted in that regard. But like mm-hmm. I really was just kind of like almost ignoring, like paying very little attention to the chat and just mm-hmm. kind of playing and just kind of almost like just like talking the puzzles out loud to myself, <laughs> you know, just like, oh, okay, I got to do this checkpoint. And like, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like mumbling to myself as I played the game, but I was really just sucked in. And it, I, again, stylistically too, the game is just all the little touches of like, you know, when you're, it, it's not just, oh, you walk up to the wall and you're, you electrify it. Like a head actually like reaches out his little hand and like rests on it almost. And like, if you don't touch the controller for long enough, you kind of like depower down, like kind yeah. of like, you know, Sonic would like, tap his foot and wait for you to pick up the controller like a leg head just kind of shuts off um, and some sometimes when you throw your head you put it on upside down by accident yeah uh, i noticed that a couple times uh if uh if you take too long with a puzzle and you die a lot a leg head's expression will get angry like he's like like the robot's just as pissed off as you that you can't get the puzzle right yeah it, if you do the back end levels, you will see that expression. <laughs> OK, OK. I, I'm surprised I didn't, to be honest, because, yeah, there were a few spots like, again, not that it's like super crazy challenging, like, but there were a few spots where I'm like, once it clicked what I needed to do, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. that's what I need to do with like, mm-hmm. that's how I need to throw my head to not trigger that thing that keeps killing me. But like it, it can take quite a few times sometimes. But every I, every time that I figured something out in this game or found a secret or whatever, it was like one of those just like, oh, that's so cool. Like every yeah. time it it didn't lose its luster at any point in the game. And I think, again, that that goes for, you know, if it was like an eight hour game or something, it might have, you know, it really mm. just kind of nail. And it, another thing, too, to mention real quick, too, is that soundtrack. Like it really does such a great job of like weaving that kind of same melody in. And I'm such a big fan when a game like. Uh, Koji Kondo does it all the time with like, mm. I've been playing Super Mario World recently and there's just mm. that kind of main melody that keeps popping up in so many yeah. different styles and moods and whatever mm. but and even different tempos and time signatures but somehow they they manage to weave that same like melody and again it just makes it feel like you're on this like journey this adventure I feel like that's something Japanese uh, game composers do really really well like I can't think of too many um, like uh, American uh, games that use leitmotif 
quite as effectively as Japanese games because like you think of the Final Fantasies and like uh, even yeah. some of the indie hits like I believe Cave Story has a few uh, light motifs in it. As yeah, well. yeah, that's a good point. And, yeah, and uh, yeah, like Japan just has a great handle on how to use music in games that I think we're still kind of catching up to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, it really went a long way. Like, again, like when the outro music, like the outro cutscene starts playing and it's like kind of this new, like kind of epic version of the song mm-hmm. that kicks in when the game first starts and you first boot it up. It's just like, I don't know, you just feel like you went on this ride. I don't know. And, and again, like the, the fact that you can kind of beat it in one sitting or two it helps the cause, I guess. But totally, man, I, I just absolutely adored this game. I really hope uh, it seems like it's been a pretty big hit for them, but I really hope it makes its way over to like consoles or something to just just because I know yeah. there's a wider audience there, um, even I, I, wider. I would say Elekhead is my game of the year for 2021. Like that was the best game I played all year. Wow. Okay, yeah. it would be a strong contender. I didn't get to it in 2021. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I, I had so many games on my list. We did our on our uh, on like year end wrap up episode. We always pick mm-hmm. like our top three games, mm-hmm. and I even cheated on that. Like I just gave it to Punk Cake in general. Like I was like everything they're doing, I'm just giving them a blanket That's spot. Awesome. And I'm already forgetting what my other two were. So that just shows how pathetic my, uh, oh, Die in the Dungeon. Have you played Die in the Dungeon? I've, I have not played Die in the Dungeon. What oh, the heck is Die in the Dungeon? you need to play Die in the Dungeon. It's, I'm not going to go, because I've gushed about okay. this game quite a few times on the podcast. Okay. But it's, it was originally made for the Brackies game jam. Okay. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like, a, you know, it's kind of like a Slay the Spire meets Dicey Dungeons kind of concept. But you basically have this like uh. tablet on the board. It's like a square three by three grid, but it's turned on. Uh, 45 degrees so it's like a diamond Mm. and then Mm -hmm. you basically you get like your hand of dice that you get to place you can place three of them on that board at any given time uh, or in any given turn but then like you'll get other dice that will uh, power up like so if you get like a a boost dice plus two you put that on the board somewhere and then any space that's two spaces away from that boost dice will get boosted by two points and then if it's a three boost dice it gets boosted by three but three spaces away and like so it's really kind of puzzly and strategic but at the same time it's it just got such a great art style it's still they've been developing it a bunch like they've they've been adding a ton of new updates throughout the last like year plus i think but mm. i i just could not be more excited about this game it's just got such a great style um, I, I love I love design like that. I love dicey da- uh, dungeons. We were talking about Terry Kavanaugh earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm I'm very interested to check it out. It's it's really fun. Yeah, and I I don't want to oversell it by being like, oh, it's like Slay the Spire meets Dicey Dungeons, <laughs> like two of the biggest deck building games in recent years. But I I honestly like it more than both of those games, and I've put pretty significant time into into both. I've been playing Dicey Dungeons lately too. So, um, nice. but yeah, I really really recommend checking that one out. Um, but yeah, I know you mentioned that you've been playing some uh, Nuclear Throne lately, throwing it back to the I old Lambier uh, days. Oh man, uh, I, I I'm not sure if I if I love Nuclear Throne or if it's just like my spicy ex or something like that. We just keep <laughs> hooking up. Like Nuclear Throne is such a punishing game, mm-hmm. but when you're doing well in nuclear throne there is no other feeling like it like it is just so uh it's so wonderfully designed and uh i um uh we we were talking about hack earlier and uh you mentioned um uh enter the gungeon yeah and uh for when i was designing hack i was super deep into nuclear throne okay um and i wanted i wanted to be like Man, all of these uh, like rogue lights or whatever you want to call them, all these uh, like arcade, game, yeah, yeah. Ar- arcadey games that uh, like embrace permadeath and multiple runs and stuff like that. They've really like introduced a lot of good mechanics that you could just put back into turn-based roguelikes and like you know it would be a really cool game and like a lot of yeah like like getting the getting the uh, perks at the end of the dungeon in hack was directly inspired by nuclear thrones like okay kill 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 all right now make a very a very educated decision about yeah. where to take your character next yeah I, yeah i i don't really know uh like what specifically to say about nuclear throne that hasn't already been said and th- and that isn't readily apparent if you play a few <laughs> hours of it yeah but every 
like like FTL, like every couple of like months or years or whatever, I'll be like, you know, I haven't lost in an emotionally crushing way in a while. Uh, maybe I should play one of these super hard games that's in my Steam library. Yeah. And yeah. Nuclear Throne just totally scratches that itch of uh, the right amount of I'm a genius and oh, no. Have, have you beaten it? Because I have not. I don't think even come close. I, I know some of my friends like do looped runs and stuff. I, I it goes way over my head. I, I cannot beat that game no matter how hard I try. Um, I've looped it. Uh, I have not. I I I, ha- I, I, th- I believe I've beaten it once, but it was <laughs> it was it was uh, it was a while ago, and uh, I, I I didn't feel great about the win. <laughs> okay, you so you um, kind of eked it out. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I it still feels like an unfinished game to me. Uh, I, I know that feeling when you're like, I, that, I won, but it felt kind of cheap. You know, I, yeah. I got to earn that victory a little more. I got to win with like the way I intended to. <laughs> yeah, and after I got that one, I'm pretty sure I put it down for like a year. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those games for sure. Like it would just be like, okay, I conquered it. Let me step away. I, I played somewhat recently actually with our buddy uh, who did the pixel artwork for like our Pelican and Frog oh, stuff. Nice. We downloaded that Nuclear Throne together, which I can't mm-hmm. remember the name of the dev, but like it's basically just like a free to play version of Nuclear Throne. Or maybe, no, you have to already have Nuclear Throne and then it's like a patch that like makes an, it like, somehow compiles a new version of nuclear throne yeah, the, the mod scene for nuclear throne is crazy it's they do, nuts they do great work in that mod scene it was awesome because for me i was like oh I've, there's a ton of these characters i haven't even unlocked because they're it's really hard to even just unlock all the characters but i i, I was kind of surprised because i went to the game i actually played a lot of nuclear throne after i had my hernia surgery a couple years ago mm-hmm. and uh I, that was when i was first playing it for the first time so long after it had been released and long after i had gotten really into enter the gungeon and mm-hmm. kind of expected like i knew that it was like that enter the gungeon was so heavily inspired by that game but i kind of expected to like go back and be like oh, okay yeah i like i'm still going to lean towards enter the gungeon but i really haven't played and I, I mean i was hooked on enter the gungeon i mean i probably have put like 250 hours into that game beating it with mm-hmm. every character multiple times like i went just not, and again it was kind of cuz me and my friends were like going back and forth have you beaten it with the marine yet have you you know whatever but nuclear <laughs> yeah. throne i i really haven't played enter the gungeon since picking that up because it's just so it's so much more like quick even though it's harder and i'm terrible at it but it's just so instantaneous like you just as soon as you start playing you're just like oh shit i'm mowing stuff down oh i'm dead like instantly you might die on the first screen or like enter the gungeon it's like oh do i have 45 minutes to an hour to like sink into a run here like i don't know i I, maybe not yeah gungeon's a little thinkier too there are more like uh slow down make a decision sort of moments in there and Nuclear Throne really parcels out, like, uh, the decision-making moments where, like, it'll give you a little breather once you cleared all the enemies, and then you'll go through a portal, and then maybe you'll make a choice, and then it's, like, you're right back into the thick of things. Yeah, it's very um, reactive. Like, every everything you're doing is reacting to what's happening around you, and yeah. you don't have much time to do that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, a fun fact about Nuclear Throne also started as a jam game. Oh, really? I yeah, did not yeah. know that. You can still get the jam version, I think, uh, somewhere on the internet. That's uh, so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Man, it's so, again, like sometimes it really just takes like that spark of like, you know, what I'm sure they've added like a lot more beyond what the scope of that jam was with, you know, that wouldn't <laughs> oh, have yeah. fit into that game jam, I'm sure, with everything they've added to the game. But at the same time, like the idea wouldn't have been spawned without having that initial kind of, you know, I don't know if the jam had a theme or whatever, but like. You know, just just that little that kick to just get something started sometimes is all you need. Yeah, I think the jam version was basically just fish and for characters and uh, it might have been fish and crystal. I'm not sure. Um, And uh, like it it was kind of just the first like wasteland level. And that's about it. Uh, But it's like if you if you ever find it or dig it up, it's nuclear throne. It's kind of amazing how much of it is just like made in that 48 hour game jam which is why i tend to recommend those to people who are like i want to make a game but i'm not sure how to start i'm like well have you tried tremendous amounts of pressure yeah sometimes that's all it takes like just feeling like or or just like 
Because otherwise you can just sit there and dream about making your perfect game all day long, every day, yeah. drawing stuff on paper, whatever. Like even even I who really haven't tried other than working with a friend on some stuff, I've never tried like coding or anything myself, but I'll sometimes be like, oh, I got a little game idea, but it's like, well, I, if I'm not actually going to try to learn how to do it, then what's the point of sketching stuff out other than I guess it's just kind of fun, but... Yeah, I, I'm more of like the find the fun sort of uh, game developer where like I don't write design docs anymore. Uh, yeah. I just sort of start with an idea and then I play the thing and I'm like, you know what I could do with this? And then I like just do it that way. I don't I don't really plan out my stuff anymore. I just kind of play it and decide like where where to go with it, essentially. OK, it, the, ga- the game knows. The yeah, game knows I, what it wants to be. I, I think that's probably, and again, I think what, like you were saying with like a game jam, like because you're on that time constraint, you do mm-hmm. have to kind of just make a decision and just like, even if it, even if you want to second guess it, you don't have the time to really. Right. So you have to just be like, okay, we got to work with that. And then, you know, if you decide yeah. to do a post jam thing, you can tweak that or totally oh, change yeah. it or whatever. But like it, but you got to just kind of make a decision and stick with your guns. Yeah, here's the thing about doing a game jam game is you'll make as many like great decisions as you'll make terrible decisions. <laughs> but but then later you can just get rid of all the terrible decisions and keep all the good ones. Yeah, and plus that goes with any game or yeah, any anything yeah. in life anyway. You know, I've, yeah. I can look back and change a lot of decisions I've made. I'm sure. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not to get too deep, but me too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we've all been there. I think that's yeah. safe to say. Safe to say. Um, but yeah, another game, I guess real quick, just to talk about some other cool games I've been playing lately. Actually, I did it. uh, You know what? I think it was a different stream. I was going to say it was right after I played a Lekhead, but it was, again, I've been all of a sudden streaming like all the time lately. Uh, Mm. and I've been a huge fan of, uh, the games from, uh, ouch, which is spelled with a W instead of a U. Um, they go by super blizzard on, uh, Twitter and Chloe is their name. Um, but they, I've been a huge fan of their games. I think I already mentioned this. I can't remember if it was before we started the proper episode or not, but that Ichio bundle for racial, uh, racial justice and equality. I found their games through that. Like, I, I think I had seen 10S, which is kind of like a, a 3D, like bullet hell tennis game, mm-hmm. roguelike sort of. And like they've been working on 10S2 for the longest time, which is sort of like a sequel. But it looked like they were definitely adding some like. RPG elements into the mix. I, I really enjoy following them on Twitter because they're always just like posting crazy game ideas like left and right. I'm like, wait, I thought they were working on this. And then all of a sudden there's like a frog platformer. And then all of a sudden there's, you know, just a million other games. But not like at the end of 2021, they really seemed like they were going all in on this new 10S. It, it's technically called 10S3, but it's like it also says 10S forever. Um, and they're really kind of leaning in. They I, they seem to be just kind of wanting to make like a really tight focused arcade roguelike version of the game but like a little more 2d uh like it's kind of the same perspective but it has a little less of that like faux 3d element going on um but it has like a ton of extra elements added in this is just like a demo for the time being but like you you have like a combo meter that you're like building up in the background you have like a meter that you're filling up that's like every time that fills up that's when you get like a new orb or tennis ball that you can serve up to yourself but you can also like the enemies on the other side of the court are shooting bullets at you like crazy but then the ones that aren't filled in the ones that are kind of hollowed out you can hit those back at the enemies and then all of a sudden they become one of your playable orbs and then your orbs will bounce off the back wall and you can keep kind of playing those back and forth um and you don't lose any points for like if you miss your own ball or whatever you're just kind of defenseless for the time being but even the balls that you can't hit back you can swipe them away and kind of almost like clear them and then you also have like a uh kind of like you would have like a bomb or a burst or whatever in a bullet hell game it doesn't uh clear the whole screen but it kind of is like a or almost like a blank and enter the gungeon mm-hmm. like it just like a radius around your character um and it just kind of clears the bullets around you and that uses up one of your orbs so it's just like this really tightly balanced like risk reward system where you're it's just it's basically like a shmup but it just feels like it's feels so different because you're not in full control you know you're kind of letting the ball fly all over the place you're kind of again it's another like super reactive game you kind of have to deal with what what's happening um but i i was really really hooked i got kind of they said they were going to add the, i was playing with a gamepad and they're like oh i forgot about gamepad support and they, they had it in there but like they had some of the button presses where like you had to do like these weird like combo presses like two buttons uh. at the same time where i was like i feel like that you should just add another button for this and they're like oh yeah i forgot about the gamepad players so um i like the the blank button you had to like hit both buttons at the same time 
um, oh, which was just a little awkward. But man, it, it's so stylish, so fun. The music, the pixel art, like it's really li- like this low res style, but it's so crisp and so. I don't know what to like. I, I know you're familiar with their games, so like I, yeah. I don't know what you would call their style. But like they, they use they use like this billboarded sprite style where like the game is presented in 3D, right? And like yeah. the it's kind of like Doom, uh, where the sprites just kind of like always face towards the camera, more or less. Yeah, um, yeah. Their games are always gorgeous and super unique and super like stylish. Uh, I am always so impressed to see their games. On my Twitter feed, I should probably play them because I also have the bundle for racial justice and quality on my itch account. So I should nice. probably just play some ouch games because I'm always like, holy crap, this is like, <laughs> ever look at something and you're like, that's an indie game. Like that is yeah. for real, like what, what like the platonic ideal of an indie game is just so amazingly stylish uh, and unique and wonderful. Uh, yeah, yeah that. They're really like one of a kind. Like when I was streaming, I can't remember who said it, but somebody in the chat was like, I really like their kind of like house style. And I think that's yeah. like a good way to put it. Like none of their games, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say this for sure, but I don't think they're all like set in the same universe or anything. But if you told me they were, I'd be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I totally see it. Like it definitely feels like there's this cohesion between mm. everything they do. And I just, yeah, such a huge fan. And I really recommend because they included all of their games or at least the vast majority of them in that bundle. Um, so like Palace of Woe, an incredible kind of top down RPG puzzle game. Water's mm-hmm. Fine is a really cool like roguelike. Uh, you're like diving deeper and deeper into the ocean and like getting treasure. And then like as you resurface, you can buy upgrades and stuff. Every Long Live the Axe is like an incredible, yeah. incredible Metroidvania, like a true indie classic, to be honest. like I think I have played Long Live the Axe, so I have played one ouch game. OK, uh, nice. And I, I vastly enjoyed my time in Long Live the Axe. Yeah, it's got almost like that ZX Spectrum mm-hmm. look to it. Like it's not it's not going for that fully, but it's just those like something about the way those colors really pop on like that stark black background is just like, mm-hmm. ooh. And again, they do that with a lot of their games that like either stark white, stark black, and mm-hmm. then just like really pop in colors that don't have a lot of shading. Like it's it's really flat, but something about that really like pops off the screen. I just, I just love it so much. Yeah. They they really know how to work uh, their color palettes. They're always incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I did want to give a quick shout out as well to uh, I know you're a big fan of uh, the developer of this one. Uh, OSAT Games. Yeah. Um, we've been uh, waiting for this one. Go, go, pogo girl to come out for the longest time. And uh, I discovered again through that Ichio bundle, the uh, uh, their previous game Spear, mm-hmm. uh, which is spelled with two E's instead of an A. But it's like a single screen puzzle platformer with a hundred levels of like, it's kind of interesting. Like, cause for me, go, go pogo girl kind of like flips the script entirely on mm. spear. Cause spear is like these again, like a hundred individual single screen levels where you're like, you're kind of like manipulating the world around you by throwing your spear in different places to like puzzle platform around and kind of like make new platforms for yourself mm. where go, go pogo girl, you're like constantly bouncing at all times. So you're kind of like always at the mercy of like, you can't really wait for anything. You're always like having to like adjust where you're at in the air and like where your bounces lined up at, like, cause you really got to land on this swinging platform, but like the, where you're bouncing currently, you're kind of out of time with it. So you really have to like, man, it like you can do this little twirl jump while you're midair to like get a little extra hang time and also get a little bit more pop on your jump. But you can do like, if you uh, hit like the ground pound, right when you're at the peak of your jump, you get like, you slam down extra hard and you can do that to like break things open but also to like get some massive extra height. Um, and there's even a few like kind of secret charge jumps you can do that. I was like, had to get myself out of this extra deep pit on some of the, like the challenge levels. But they, instead of single screen levels, like it's more like not quite as open ended as like Yoshi's Island style levels, mm, but like you're mm-hmm. doing a little bit more like you definitely, you know, you're going around. There's like three hidden ruby gems on every level. There's a hundred green gems on every level. And then like the challenge for, uh, beating the level without dying so there's like three medals you can get on the end of each stage there's uh you play through i love how you play through like all four seasons you play through spring summer winter and fall uh oh, i don't nice. know why i said those out of order <laughs> but uh <laughs> but yeah it's it's just so charming the music's amazing like it really i, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for the sega stuff because i i grew mm. up with a super nintendo but it really has that like 16 bit kind of like almost like a cross between like Genesis and master system style. Like it's definitely a 16 bit look, but like 
I don't know. It's like the colors look a little brighter than they do on Genesis to me. Yeah, um, I, I think I think he nails that style, too. And oh, when yeah. I first uh, picked up Spear, I was like, oh, chunky, like old school retro pixel graphics. Like, yes, a, a contemporary someone, someone I can someone who gets it. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, you don't need super crisp graphics or whatever. You can do like big, chunky pixels. And then. Osat turns around with this like crazy, like detailed, beautiful pixel art game with yeah. like perfect style and like gorgeous backgrounds and stuff. Like I remember the early, early Pogo Girl was a little bit uh, chunkier. And yeah, it was more like eight bit style. Yeah. Yeah. And he took he took the time to expand out those uh, those graphics and really like nail them. And I'm like, God, that game is gorgeous now. And I'm mad. I'm like, I thought we were going to be bad <laughs> graphics bros. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it really it's been really fun because uh, he's actually one of our more like active discord members. And it's been yeah. really fun to see the progress of that game, because, yeah, when I first checked out the demo, it was in that chunky kind of more mm. master system style look. And then like he was like, hey, how do you feel about this update? And at first I was I kind of almost was like, I don't know, I, I, I you know, I was so attached to that, like, <laughs> right, original right. demo. But then like the more he kept showing it off, I was like, OK, OK, I'm digging this. And like as the music came together and as all the little extra details and like the way the flowers dance around in the background mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. it just has so much charm and personality. And like the, the gameplay is just super tight. The level design is super tight. Um I, you know, I never found myself like, what am I supposed to do here? But again, like there's definitely enough of an incentive to go back to get like on the earlier levels. I was getting all the gems and finding the secrets pretty much no problem. But as I got to like the fourth, fifth level and whatnot, it's like, OK, I'm I'm missing one or two of those each time. But at the same time, they're, the levels are laid out in a way like it's not fr- like, for example, like I, I got kind of frustrated doing some strawberry hunting in Celeste because like on some of those more open ended levels, like mm-hmm. you're like, I can see where it is on like the timeline of the level where I need to get it. But like, I feel like I've like passed that point already. And like, you know, yeah. you're like in your head too much where like this is like, OK, I clearly just got the second gem. So the first and I missed the first one. So like it has to be somewhere before this in the stage. So um, but there were some nice like hidden you know, I, I don't know. I, I just found like all the secrets were really like well hidden, but fair. Like I never felt mm-hmm. like I was just like sliding against every wall to see if they were invisible. You know, like it. I, I think I've mentioned that like a million times because that drives me nuts in like the new Super Mario Brothers games. And like it just yeah, takes hyper- you out of that flow of the game, you know. Yeah, Hyperlight Drifter does that too a little too much. They love their invisible walls just a little too much. And, yeah. And like that's a nitpick in an otherwise pretty much perfect game. Hyperlight Drifter is I've, fantastic. I've been playing that recently as well, but I haven't gotten very far. I'm only like yeah. maybe an hour and a half in. Um, but yeah, I am so pumped for Pogo Girl. Um, I believe by the time this podcast is out, it'll be purchasable. Yes, it comes out tomorrow as of the time yeah. we're recording this. So yeah, it'll definitely be out uh as yeah. of right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, please, please pick it up if you can, or at least wishlist it because I, I know, uh, Ando worked so hard on this game. Yeah. As, and as every, I know every indie dev works really, really hard on their games, but this one's my friends. So please, yeah. please go buy it. And, and it's really special. It really is like it, it, you know, it's, it, it isn't often like there are a million of these indie games that come out that are inspired by the retro classics, you know, but it's, it's not often that they, do really nail that aesthetic where it really does mm-hmm. like take you back to the nostalgia, but like without the frustration of maybe some of the little, yeah. you know, nuances or ju- just, you know, just frustrations of playing on old hardware even these days. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, well, I guess one more thing, if, if you want to, we don't need to go into it, but if you wanted to talk some magic, the gathering, if we want to get, get away from the hardware. <laughs> yeah. Um, have, have you played any Magic recently? Uh, are you into, like, the Commander scene at all? Is that registering anything for you? I don't know too much other than, uh, like, I did play a lot back in the day. One of my cousins got me really into it. I had a huge shoebox full of cards, and I haven't nice. played in years. But we do have one of our uh, Discord members will share some of those, uh, like, kind of, like, limited edition, like, custom cards that they've been releasing every now and then that are, like, mm-hmm. almost like they're, uh, like, I don't oh, know. The, they're like works of art. They're like they're amazing. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, the secret incredible. layers. Uh, the secret layers are the are the big exclusive uh, uh, cards that are absolutely gorgeous. I got my first uh, last year. Uh, nice. I got, the, I got the Kamigawa Japanese ink set, and it was so cool. Nice. Oh, they're so good. Um, yeah. So that's that's about like all I know of like the current magic stuff, and then I know like the online game has taken off pretty big too. Like yeah. the, the card game online or whatever. Yeah, I um, 
I'm not too jazzed about playing Magic Online. I like to see the fear in my opponent's face <laughs> <laughs> when I'm when I'm turning cardboard ninety degrees. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I played uh, yesterday. I just had uh, a wonderful day uh, with uh, one of my roommates, where uh, we went out uh, and played played magic in, uh, in in a safe, socially distant way, uh, and just played some physical magic together and drank beer. And nice. It, it it had been so long since we had both left the apartment, and just sitting down and playing magic with another person was really really good for me. Uh, I. My my dad actually plays magic as well. Oh, that's um, awesome. We used to we used to go to tournaments together back in the day. That's uh, so cool. Where we were referred to as the Cole brothers. Okay. Okay. Uh, somewhat mistakenly. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say he must be a must be a young looking guy. Yeah, he's a good looking dude. And, <laughs> and uh yeah, I I've I've always loved playing magic and talking magic and stuff like that. And Commander is a, a recent format that um I guess it's not even a recent format anymore. It is. It it was a fan. It was a fan developed format that uh, became mainline Magic. Uh, okay. Recently, like most of most of Magic's profits and most of their uh, most of the stuff they release seems more geared towards Commander Magic, which is uh, a more um, casual. Um, if like if like regular Magic is boxing, uh, Commander is professional wrestling. Okay. Where it's about seeing cool shit and doing big plays and having very long games. And so, oh, so uh, it's about long games. Interesting. Because I, I was going to ask, because um, John on the podcast and then our buddy Mikey, they'll get together and play Warhammer from time to time. And yeah. there's some new modes that they've been playing, but it's the opposite approach. Like it's meant to be like, let's try oh, okay. to like condense this experience down to like just a handful of turns. I forget what the mode's called, but it's like, uh, it was just like a, hey, let's. Let's actually try to play and actually finish a game. So that, I was wondering if it was maybe that same approach, but it sounds like it's the opposite. Yeah, this is let's really drag out a game until something big and explosive happens and then the game ends really fast. And okay. Yeah. Um, I, I know for some listeners, the idea of a longer, slower magic <laughs> game is probably not super appealing, uh, but uh, I, I I quite like it because usually like, you know, You'll you'll end the game having seen one cool thing. The other thing that's nice about Commander is pretty much every card from all, all the sets are legal. So I if was you just going to ask, yeah, yeah. If you have a shoebox full of cards somewhere, you can make a Commander deck. All you need is like a legendary creature to be your buddy. Okay, and then you build around. You always have access to that card. That's okay. your Commander, and then okay. you can. The other cards you need ninety nine other cards is the other thing. And okay. You can't have duplicates. Other than land, I'm assuming, other, right? Other okay. than land, yeah. Other than basic lands, you cannot have duplicates. Uh, so there's no, like, running four black lotuses or whatever. And, like, right, like bri- stacking certain cards that yeah. just, like, are unfair. Yeah. Yeah, a, a commander deck can get expensive, but it doesn't have to be because you can't really rely on seeing any one card because there are, you know, 99 of them in your deck. Like, you can rely on seeing your commander, but the rest is going to be, like, what can I kind of cobble together from these disparate ideas? And that's where a lot of the fun is, is being like, oh, I didn't know these... I put these cards in my deck, but I hadn't seen them interact until now, and now I know I have a combo here. Uh, And you can just, like, shuffle and play and shuffle and play, and you'll never... You're pretty much never going to see anything resembling a similar game of commander like it's all gonna go one way or the other because there's so much variety in the deck and yeah. it's it's great i uh, i have so much fun playing magic now i also have a lot of more fun playing magic now that i just play with my friends and i don't play tournament magic anymore okay nice yeah that's that's always i never played like super serious like never entered mm-hmm. anything i would just kind of play yeah my cousin was really into it and then when we would go up to like a cottage or up north or something we'd be like he would have all his and just, hey, you can play my Tempest deck or whatever, you know, and I'd grab that. And then, uh, yeah, eventually just got like a a good like four or five of our cousins got pretty into it. And like we but we would do that in Hero Clicks, although we never played Hero (laughs) Clicks that much. But (laughs) we were cool, though. They were were really it was a really cool concept of like, oh, you twist the little dial and it like, you know, adjusts all the stats for you on the fly. It was it was pretty cool. And I was always like. I'm not, I'm not as into like the Marvel movies and stuff, but I always was into like X-Men, the cartoon and yeah. comics and stuff. So it was just cool to collect little figurines and 
Mm. I don't know. I'm just a sucker for that stuff, I guess. Yeah, I don't really uh, I don't really play a whole lot of board games. Like I'll if, if someone's like, I brought a board game and I'm really enthusiastic about it, I'll be like, sure, I'll play it. Yeah. But like I don't have like a favorite pile of board games really. I just kinda have my magic deck, but I'm super all about magic is a physical thing that you play with the paper cards and you fill up your you fill up your closet with too many shoe boxes of them and that's the way it, that's the way it should the be. way it's done yeah. yeah do you have like the the card protectors on everything and whatnot i have a binder full of my full of like cards that are worth more than like i don't know a dollar or whatever yeah uh, and it's mostly just so like if i'm if i'm sad i can just look at my binder and like look at my magic cards and go through them like i'm 13 years old hey uh it, it's just a scrapbook. All, all it is, it's a scrapbook for, for a 30 year old man. Like, <laughs> That's awesome though. That's really awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, in, in general, like we, we spill beer on our cards fairly often. We don't, nice. we don't play with anything more expensive than five bucks. So yeah. Whatever. I, I, and that's the, that's the way to do it. I think too. Cause it's like it, I'm always like, especially like being someone who does music and stuff, right? And anytime mm-hmm. I get any new piece of equipment, you know, of any kind, yeah. I'm always like, it's gotta be, I gotta take perfect care of this thing. I don't want to scratch it up. I don't want to do anything. But then as soon as it gets a little nick on it or I, you know, a little tear in the casing or whatever, it's just like, okay, well now it's messed up. Now I don't care anymore. And it's just yeah. like, yeah. I, and I, I feel so much better after it's taken the damage and I can just relax, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to like, oh, I gotta keep this thing pristine. So yeah, yeah I when, think that's the way to do it with cards. When I got the first scratch on my motorcycle, I was so relieved. I was yeah. like, oh, okay, I don't have to worry anymore. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what kind of, what kind of motorcycle do you have just out of curiosity? I, I ride a very tiny, uh, 125 CC Honda super cub from 2019. I love it. Uh, it's my, it's my baby and I love it. And I'm a, a little bummed because I can't afford like the the heavy winter gear, and I'm up in Massachusetts in the winter, so yeah, it's just kind of sitting in a garage, uh, waiting waiting for spring. Yeah, but well, uh, at least yeah. something to look forward to, I suppose. But I know what you mean. Oh, it's totally. like yeah, I could live somewhere where I could just use this all year round. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I I love that thing. Um, definitely, definitely. Uh, uh, I, I, I like I like hobbies I can't monetize since like I make video games and podcasts for a living. Things most people would probably look on the more hobbyist side of things. Like oh right, yeah, right. I, I do my podcast with my friends to like you know stress out and, and uh, to like de stress and express myself. And like I'm like ah, nope, I already monetized that. It's already worked. I gotta <laughs> I gotta find something else. And like there's no way anyone will ever pay me to ride my tiny motorcycle. So that's kind of why I like it. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that, too, because that's actually one of the reasons I've been doing more streams lately is because mm. I found myself like a lot of times I'll just play like a little bit of a game and I'll be thinking like, OK, I don't want to play too much of this because I want to like have a fresh experience when I'm playing it for a video yeah. or something if I want to spotlight the game. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I'm never beating any games anymore. I'm never like. You know, I, I never like have those sessions where I'm just like playing a game for hours and getting like sucked into it. So I was like, maybe I'll just do that when I'm streaming or check out a game for the first time and like get a feel for it and just stream it when I'm doing that. Because I, I otherwise I feel like I would get in my head like, oh, well, I shouldn't just game if I'm not going to figure out something to do with this game that I want to recommend to people, you know. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's interesting. Interesting how you can figure out how to make your hobbies not fun in some, <laughs> yeah. in some way or make them make them like work yeah yeah it's a bit of a bummer but like you know as, as long as you're aware of it you can fight it <laughs> yeah and that, that's a that's a reason why like i stockpile the youtube videos like we have like mm. 60 pre-recorded ready to go like i've released three every week so i'm like i'm 20 weeks ahead of the game i never have to feel like i have to make videos i only have to do it when i'm in the mood to so dang Dang, I wish I was that organized. That's really smart. I don't know if it's organized or if it's just like OCD, like just like oh, I get I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I'm already 10 weeks ahead. I might as well if I make like this many more, I would do the same thing when I'm like driving home. Like I, li- I live in Chicago. I'd make like a long drive back to Michigan and I'd constantly be looking at the mile markers like, OK, if I'm going 70 miles an hour now and I'm 90 miles away from home, I'm going to be. Well, if I go 75, I can get home this much faster. It's it's just the way my dumb brain works. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. But I think we can probably wrap up the uh, the games sure. chat here and then uh, we'll uh, we'll be having Kevin uh, next week as well to kind of talk about some more of his personal stuff like his his games as well. I know we kind of dipped into it some on this episode here, but we'll kind of Kevin's got his uh, 
his hands in a, a bunch of different pots. So I think we can kind of talk about all sorts of different stuff next week. But uh, in the meantime, where can uh, people find you most easily on the internet? Where do you want to direct people? And we'll put links in the episode description as well. Uh, if you want to play my video games, you can go to supertry.itch.io, uh, super spelt like super, try spelt like try. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, where, that's where my video games live. Um, if you'd like to uh, uh, read my tweets and see the games I'm currently working on, that may be, uh, that may be like semi-secret little projects. Uh, I am on the Twitter I am at real Kevin Cole, and I'm sure my name is in this description somewhere. Yeah, and uh, I, again, I'll, I'll probably link to the Twitter too. <laughs> oh, thanks. But yeah, uh, if if you're interested in my stuff, the the the, the best way to express that is by uh, uh, playing my games and maybe listening to my nonsense on Twitter. Yeah, and yeah, definitely. I can't I can't second that more strongly. I love <laughs> Kevin's stuff, and yeah, we'll be digging into more of it next week. But until then, uh, we will uh, catch you next time. Take care. See ya. That went a little longer than I expected, so I apologize. Oh, sorry about that. We're running my mouth.